I'm sports attorney Luke Fedlam, and welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Each conversation, we focus on sharing information and having conversations around how athletes can best educate and protect themselves for their life outside of their sports. Thank you for tuning in to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Luke Fedlam, and I am thankful that you decided to uh, take a listen today. Today, we're going to have a conversation on contracts. I get questions a lot about understanding contracts, and it's important that everyone understands that almost everything in business comes with some form of contract. And I have a lot of conversations with athletes where I tell them, listen, before you sign your name to anything, let's make sure that we review it so that you fully understand what that contract says. So let's just get right into it. One of some of the basics that I, I just want to share is sometimes you'll hear things like contract or agreement, and I will oftentimes use those words interchangeably. So if you hear me say this agreement, um, it's the same thing. It means a contract or it's an agreement between two people that ends up being agreed upon. And so we want to just you know spend a little time understanding what that means. But when we think about contracts that athletes get presented with, there are a couple different general buckets that we're going to look at. One is this, this area of opportunities. So whether it's endorsement opportunities or marketing opportunities, whether it's providing an opportunity to invest into a company or what have you, you're going to have those types of agreements. But then you're also going to have agreements with the different types of advisors who want to work with you. And so it's important to understand some of the basic concepts that come with each of those you know, two main categories. So let's talk first about contracts that relate to the opportunity for marketing, endorsements, or other types of engagement of an athlete in services, where the athlete is providing the services. So in this instance, let's just look at things like marketing opportunities, endorsement deals, right? There are some main areas of those contracts that you should understand. Now, I'm not having this conversation today to make you a, a, a sports lawyer. I, one, I don't want to put myself out of a job, but two, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. But what I want to do is provide some familiarity so that you have an understanding of what it is that you are looking at when someone presents you with such an opportunity. Now, full disclaimer, you should always have an attorney review an agreement before you sign it or review a contract before you sign it and put pen to paper. But you should also have a good understanding of what it is that you are potentially signing. So when you look at these marketing agreements, these endorsement deals, one of the things you should understand is scope of services, right? So what are the services that you have to provide in order to receive the compensation? And we'll talk about that compensation here in a second. But you want to understand what services are being asked of you. So do you have to send some uh, social media tweets or posts? Do you do IG posts where you have to talk about uh, a particular product or service in your story and you tag that particular brand? Is it some tweet that you have to send out uh, with a picture of you using or wearing that product? Um, you need to understand what it is that you have to do. Maybe it's that you have to show up for a photo shoot or for a video or commercial shoot, or you just have to be somewhere, an appearance type of contract or a speaking contract where you have to go and make some remarks at a particular event. You have to really understand what it is that's being asked of you. 
That's critical because the second part that you want to understand, obviously, is the compensation as well. And what you need to be able to decide in your head is, does the compensation that's being offered match or adequately compensate me for the services that I'm being asked to provide? So if I'm being asked to send out, you know, X number of social media posts and I'm getting paid Y to do that, then does that fit? Does that, am I okay with that? So understanding compensation helps you to realize, you know, obviously everybody's time is valuable. So the time that you're putting into providing the services, do you feel like you'll be adequately compensated based on what it is that they're providing to you? So those are two areas that are critically important to understand. Now, I'm also very clear that whenever I have conversations, you know, with athletes and with agents who bring these deals to athletes, those are often the two most discussed um, areas of a contract. How much am I going to get paid and what do I have to do? But there are so many other provisions that are important when it comes to the protection of the athlete uh, that's also included in those agreements. And you'll notice if you look at one of these types of agreements, oftentimes you'll see the compensation and the scope of services provisions very early on. They're usually in that first page. Uh, but then you've got, you know, whatever, three, four, five, seven, ten more pages of of provisions, of sections of the contract, of words that all mean something. And they all either give you rights or take rights away and set forth what the agreement is between the two parties that you really need to have an understanding about. One of the things that oftentimes goes overlooked in these types of agreements that I always look to to understand is the section called indemnification indemnification and that is language that you might also hear referred to as hold harmless and it really goes to for the talent who can they go after to hold responsible if something were to happen to them based on their performance of the agreement all right so let's let's think about that and break that down a little bit more so if you are going to do a photo shoot and uh, let's just say a light fixture wasn't set up the right way it wasn't fastened the right way and for some reason the light fixture comes down it falls on the athlete or falls on the talent who's doing that recording and they're injured the question then becomes is who can that athlete go after to be compensated for their injuries now oftentimes in these provisions you'll see things like language that'll say uh, that the the brand uh, or the company can only be held responsible in instances of gross negligence or willful misconduct, right? And those are legal terms that really mean that there was an intent, an intent on behalf of the brand or the company to cause injury or to somehow intentionally not take care of what they were supposed to take care of. But we oftentimes will negotiate that to a negligent standard. And what that means is that if the organization is negligent in what they were supposed to do, then they can be held responsible. And so let, let me break that down a little bit more. What that negligence means is a basic standard of care that exists. And so if a company has a standard of care that means that they should fully secure any light fixtures in a way that they're not gonna fall on the talent if they don't meet that standard of care, then yes, they should be held responsible. Again, keep in mind, my focus here is always on the athlete and the protection of the athlete. 
And if an athlete gets compensated in their life through their sport based on their physical ability, if they end up getting injured to the point that it affects their ability to physically perform their job, their sport, then they should absolutely be able to hold someone else responsible for those injuries. So again, indemnification is a critical section of the contract that we're always looking at. We're also going to look at the intellectual property provisions, right? And so this is where we get to understand more about the intellectual property that is created by the athlete participating in this agreement. Who is going to own that intellectual property? Who can use that intellectual property and for how long? All right. So let's just use an example of a situation and a contract that I've, I've seen for an athlete. And that was an endorsement contract where a particular organization wanted to have that athlete appear at four different events throughout the year that this organization was having. And during that time, the athlete would show up to these events wearing a particular brand of clothing that, that reflected for that organization. And what the organization wanted to do was to compensate this athlete on a monthly basis for a year. And that sounds great. It was, you know, X thousands of dollars per month for a 12 month period. And then that agreement would end. But in the intellectual property provision, what they talked about was how at those events, they would be able to take pictures of the athlete wearing that particular brand of clothing with the organization's insignia on it, and then be able to use that intellectual property, those pictures of the athlete in perpetuity, which means forever. Now, here's where I have an issue. If the organization wants to use that player's image and likeness in perpetuity, then they should be paying for the use of that image and likeness in perpetuity, all right? So this is where, again, we discuss about the fact that there would be a, a termination of their ability to use those images within 30 days after they terminated paying the athlete, right? So again, so if, yes, if you wanna continue to use those images, go ahead, but there will need to be compensation uh, for that athlete. Otherwise, they could very easily say, yeah, we'll have you come in and do this one event, we'll take a million pictures and we'll continue to use those pictures for years and years to come and never pay you for them. That just doesn't make sense. So again, you've gotta be able to spend time in that intellectual property section to understand you know, what it is that you are actually giving up and what rights does the brand have at using those intellectual property rights. So we're gonna spend time there. The other piece that we wanna spend time on is on termination and what are the ways in which the brand can terminate the athlete and then in what ways could the athlete terminate their relationship with the brand. Oftentimes we hear about morals clauses, which is where an, a brand can terminate the athlete if there's something of moral turpitude, which you know means if, uh, you know, oftentimes it, it will uh, translate to mean if the athlete has been arrested or if there's something that would bring them into public disrepute then the brand has the ability to terminate the athlete. But what we are also seeing and what we sometimes push for in certain instances are reverse morals clauses, which means what happens if the brand takes a stand in a way that the athlete does not agree with, that it doesn't um, align with the athlete's morals and values, then can the athlete terminate the agreement from that perspective? And so, uh, you know, more and more those types of reverse morals clauses 
are becoming, you know, included in certain types of agreements as well. Obviously, you know, we are in a highly politicized situation and environment these days. And so if there was a situation where a brand took a particular political statement or stand that did not align with the athlete's perspective or point of view, then the athlete may want to be able to have the ability to terminate that agreement. So again, just a few different provisions that athletes are going to want to understand in these types of performance agreements, these endorsement deals, marketing opportunities as well. But let's also think about the types of agreements and contracts that advisors put in front of athletes to sign when those advisors want to work with that athlete. So those advisors could be agents, attorneys, accountants, marketing agents, you know, social media people, publicists, etc., PR people, right? So all of those types of agreements as well need to be understood before an athlete signs them. And so here are some of the things you really want to understand. You want to understand the term of the agreement, which means how long is this agreement going to last or be in force for? So the longer it is, the longer you're tied in to that particular organization or advisor, right? You also want to understand exclusivity, right? So am I exclusive with this one particular marketing agent and I'm not able to go with any other marketing agents or is this a non-exclusive marketing agreement, right? Where I'm able to work with multiple marketing agents. So some agencies will say we're fine with non-exclusive. Some will only do exclusive. The point here is that you need to understand what that is because that's where then the term also becomes much more important, which again is the length of the agreement. So if you're in a non-exclusive agreement with someone, the term doesn't necessarily mean as much as it does if you're in an exclusive agreement with somebody. Again, the longer the term is, the less flexibility you have in terms of leverage and getting out of that agreement. So when I look at uh, athletes and marketing agreements that come their way, I want to see as short of a term as possible. The marketing agency, let's say, is gonna want the longest term possible because they wanna be able to have the time to prove themselves. And that's an absolutely valid concern. At the same time, we wanna make sure that the athlete has the flexibility to get out of an agreement when they want to, uh, either because they feel that that particular advisor isn't representing them in the way that they want, or they're, they're not they're doing their job, or that they, you know, maybe they just don't, have that type of bond or relationship that they once had. So hand in hand with the term then is definitely the termination provision. So if the term is, let's say a year, the real question then becomes, what does the termination provision allow the athlete to do? So is that termination provision something that says upon 15 days prior written notice, either party can terminate the agreement for any reason? Or is it something that says there needs to be 30 days notice, 60 days notice, six month notice that needs to be provided, or something that might even say that termination can only happen for cause, which means that there is something egregious that happens where the uh, advisor or that agent does something that's that's egregious or illegal or something that just is um, you know kind of beyond the pale, if you will, for that athlete that gives the athlete the right to terminate that agreement. So thinking about these kind of term and termination provisions is critically important because oftentimes, especially the younger the athlete or the earlier they are in their career, they're really just feeling out and building relationships. And so 
there needs to be this flexibility that exists in their contracts for their benefit to be able to get out of those contracts when necessary and when they see. The other piece most obviously is going to be the fees section, right? And that is understanding how you are paying these advisors. Are they getting a percentage? Um, And even if they're getting a percentage, let's say on the marketing side, how does the flow of funds work, right? How do these funds flow? So is the brand going to pay the athlete and then the athlete cuts a check to the agent for their fees or does the the money flow from the brand to the agent? The agent takes their fees out and they send the, the balance and remainder to the athlete. So understanding how that works is important, but really it comes back to what is the compensation that you are paying to this particular advisor and how does that work? Are you paying them hourly? Are you paying them a percentage? Are you paying them monthly, quarterly, annually? Um, All of these things come into play and it's important that you understand and that you know how you are actually paying these advisors. And ultimately, you wanna be able to know what your flexibility is when it comes to being able to terminate that advisor as we discussed earlier, right? Because at the end of the day, if that advisor is not doing what they're supposed to be doing for you, you wanna be able to have that flexibility to terminate the agreement. So again, when you think about this, this is the critical, you know, protective understanding that you should have when it comes to the various types of contracts that are being put in front of you to sign. Oftentimes, these decisions come based on relationship, and relationship is great. If you have a, a great relationship with someone, you know, that is, that is seeking to be your marketing agent, then yes, that is the first step in all of this is, is having a good relationship. But ultimately, what's really important is the the contract that you are going to sign. And so you need to have a good understanding of what that contract says to make sure that you have the rights and the flexibility to make sure that that relationship works. And if it doesn't, to get out of that relationship as well. And so again, that's why you definitely need to understand what these contracts say. And if you don't understand them, you definitely want to make sure that you have the right independent and objective counsel to guide you through and walk you through what these contracts say and the effect of all of these different provisions so that you don't find yourself in a tough situation that you can't get out of based on something that you've signed. So that is a very quick look at contracts and some of the different types of contracts that you can get faced with and trying to give you some understanding of all of the different Um, you know, provisions that might be included in these agreements. So again, if you have any questions, you have my contact information uh, through the podcast, feel free to reach out and we can talk through them. But again, thank you for taking the time to listen and, and learning a little bit more about how these contracts work. If you find value in this podcast, it's all about protecting your possibilities. If you find value, please do feel free to share the podcast with others. Feel free to, you know, post it on social media. Let me know different topics that you'd be interested in. And I'm happy to to tackle some of the different topics that you want to hear and have covered. And um, please do feel free to leave us a rating. Uh, Five stars is great on whatever the uh, podcast platform is that you listen to. But again, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. And we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Have a great day. Order right, Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. The content of this publication is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. It does not necessarily reflect the views of the firm as to any particular matter or those of its clients. Please consult an attorney for specific advice regarding your particular situation.